Welcome to Own It from Women Lead Change. I'm the CEO, Tiffany O'Donnell. On today's episode, I talked to Jen Loeb, a climber, photographer, guest speaker, author, and humanitarian. Jen started mountain climbing in 2010, and since that time, has climbed mountains literally all over the world, including Everest, on May 19th in 2016, becoming the first woman from Iowa to climb it. She recently became one of 25 women in the United States to complete the seven summits, which is when you climb the highest mountain on every continent. Jen has released a book called Shots from the Heart that is 238 pages of photographs and journal excerpts from her travels both near and far. Jen, thank you so much for joining us on the Own It podcast. Um, I don't feel quite worthy here talking to a climber, a photographer, author, humanitarian, the list goes on. Jen, tell us a little bit more about yourself, if you would, for the listeners who might not know you. I was born and raised on a small family farm in Jessup, Iowa. So I am a, a lifelong Iowan. You know, grew up on the farm there, went to school in Jessup for the entire time and graduated there. After high school, I went to Wartburg and got my degree in biology. Uh, in 2006, I started doing a lot of humanitarian work. And then in 2010, I thought it would be fun to start climbing mountains. <laughs> so oh, I had why no not? What's, what's <laughs> sure, the why line not? about why, why, do you, why do you climb it? Uh, because it's there. Because it's there. Okay. <laughs> you bought into uh, that, apparently. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there there was a lot about it that really appealed to me. Uh, I was I was always active. I was always an athlete, um, and I've always loved the great outdoors. Uh, I've always loved a challenge. So you know, all these things came together and. And created like this perfect situation where it's like, oh, mountain climbing, it fits. And so uh, I, I wasn't really sure how to start or how to get into it. I was kind of doing a lot of research online, trying to figure out how do I start? How do I learn how to climb? How do I uh, get the gear that I need? How do I know what gear I need? Um, how do I train? And so I figured it out. Uh, and learned how to do it. And the more I did it, the more I loved it. And so, um, you know, it kind of became, um, it was, it was consuming my life and I was just fine with that because I was having such a great time. Uh, 2013, I made the decision to go and climb Everest and it took me three years to put that expedition together. And then in 2016, I left and I went and I did it. And then here just recently, uh, December 28th of uh, 2021, I climbed the highest peak in Antarctica. And with the completion of that expedition, I have now officially finished what's called the Seven Summits. And that is when you uh, climb the highest peak on every continent. So... Um, oh first woman from Iowa to do first, and still the only woman from Iowa to climb Everest. I kind of, I keep hoping uh, other women will come along and and join me. Uh, but for now, I'm I'm still the only woman from Iowa to climb Everest, and the only woman from Iowa to uh, complete the seven summits. 
and uh, I I've take a lot of photographs. So I put together a book of, of not just mountain photography, but also just uh, nature and landscapes. And uh, the, I have a chapter in the book on, on photographs and the humanitarian, some of the humanitarian work I've done. And then I put photographs in there too of uh, just pictures of Iowa. So when people tell me, you know, I'll, I'll be on an expedition and they're like, oh, Jen, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, Iowa. And they're like, hmm, potatoes, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> not potatoes. Uh, and so I, I get a lot of grief uh, for being from Iowa. And um, people always tell me they don't think of Iowa as a very beautiful place. And I disagree with that. And I, I take a lot of photographs here because I live here. And so I put another chapter in the book of just beautiful places in Iowa, beautiful photographs of Iowa, because, you know, I'm, I'm from here and I still live here and in a, a very concise uh, way of what I've been up to for the last uh, 15, 20 years. I appreciate what you're saying about our great state, because I, too, am an Iowan and resilience is in our DNA um, determination is in our DNA because it's just, it's just our paradigm, you know? So I love it when people challenge us about, um, our state and what they think it may be. I love to, to buck those trends and you certainly are, I mean, you know, eliminating any of those preconceived notions about, you know, what, what we are, what was training like? And, and were you able to train in Iowa for something like this? Well, I mean, I, I live here and I work here, so I was training here. Uh, you know, I spend the vast majority of my time in Iowa um, because I, I my house is here and, and my family is here and my job is here. So when it came to training, I never had a coach and I never had a personal trainer. And, you know, even if I had been looking for those things, like I don't know anybody in Iowa that would is qualified to train somebody for a mountain climbing expedition. And my background was running. I was a runner all through high school and all four years of um, my collegiate uh, career. And so I ran track, track and cross country. So that was my background. When it came to climbing, I had to really sit down and think about the style of movement that was involved and how I was going to prepare myself for that. And so I actually designed my own training programs. Uh, it's kind of a mix of both cardio and lifting. So I'll lift once, sometimes twice a week, and then <clears throat> the rest of the time is all cardio. And that's a, a mix of uh, running and and sometimes I'll go hiking. I put a sandbag in my backpack and then I have a couple of different weights that I use. So I'll put a sandbag in my backpack and then I'll go hiking for hours. Uh, but my real go-to workout is I put the sandbag on, on my back and then I go to the gym and get on the Stairmaster and continuously step up, um, you know, for hours. And I'm trying to mimic the actual movement of climbing up and up and up. And so, yeah, I, I train year round. I never stop training. And in each time I came home from an expedition, I would, you know, think about my training program and what worked, what didn't work. Uh, maybe I 
my fitness was okay. Um, you know, maybe my strength was okay. Maybe I needed more speed. So then I would fine tune my training program some more. And so, you know, every, with every expedition, I fine tuned it a little bit. And yeah, so I, I kind of did it myself. Of course you did. It does not surprise me. It does not surprise me. Um, I, I get the physical piece is a, such a huge component of this, obviously. Talk to us about the mental. I mean, just by you saying hours on a Stairmaster. I mean, mentally, how do you prepare for something like this? So, I mean, the climbing peaks, you know, everybody knows that it's physically challenging. That's a given. Um, when it comes to the mental aspect, in, in some ways, that's almost more crucial. You have to keep your head in the game. You have to keep a level head. You have to make smart decisions. And how do you keep going when things start falling apart? You know, how do you keep going when you're cold and you're tired and it's dark and you know, you're, you're breathing hard and it's, the air is thin and you can't see the mountain because it's dark and all you can see is just a little bit of what your headlight illuminates. And like, I, I, when I'm climbing on the Stairmaster, I'll put myself, you know, sometimes I'll just close my eyes and pretend that, okay, I'm on the peak, I'm stepping up, I have my heavy pack, you know, I'm not in a cold environment and I'm not in an oxygen deprived environment, but I'm still working hard with the heavy pack. And and so, you know, I can picture things, uh, how they look in my head and just pretend that I'm there. But, you know, when situations get really scary or really um, difficult or, you know, the weather moves in and, and the wheels are kind of falling off of your expedition, you know, that's it's it's important to really keep your head in the game and and um you know the mental aspect so i kind of prep myself ahead of time that you know i know i'm going to be putting myself in difficult situations and it's it's kind of like okay brace yourself jen this is going to be hard and this is going to be exhausting and and you're going to hurt you know and so if i'm hurting during a workout that kind of especially we call it i call it a pain cave I'm going to the pain cave, um, then I know, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be at this level of pain and this is what it feels like. And you just uh, kind of adjust yourself to that. But it's critical, really critical to, to keep a level head and to, to be smart when you're in the mountains. So in those moments, I mean, is there a place that you go um, when you talk about visualization? Is there a place that you go on the mountain in the darkest part of the darkest cave, you know, what is, what is that place? What's that go to for you? Usually I'll just kind of visualize myself, you know, on a glacier. Uh, I can see the snow. I can see, you know, big blue skies and I can look and, and the view goes on for miles, but, you know, I'm not particularly concerned about the view at the moment because I need to focus on staying in the moment and focus on what I need to be doing right now. And right now I need to be putting one foot in front of the other. So usually when I'm visualizing things and I'm actually doing that Stairmaster workout, you know, I'm just stepping up, stepping up, stepping up. I'm on a glacier. It's cold. I'm breathing hard. My heart is 
is pounding. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm typically on a glacier and I'm just stepping up on a glacier and uh, it's kind of nice. There's no crevasses on Stairmaster, so I don't have to worry about crevasse danger. <laughs> That's That's the good news, I suppose, right? Mount Mercy University was founded in 1928 by a group of bold women intent on breaking barriers. Inspired by the Sisters of Mercy, Mount Mercy is committed to fulfilling their mission to expand abilities, equip you to lead with purpose, and empower you to accomplish your goals. Mount Mercy offers graduate, accelerated, and traditional programs to people from all walks of life. Their forward-thinking, future-focused approach puts you on the path toward success. Mount Mercy University. The future is female. Their past was too. Discover more at mtmercy.edu. You know, for those of us who aren't, you know, most of us won't ever, you know, say we were able to summit Everest or climb these mountains. Um, and most of us has been through those dark points in those dark caves, you know, in one way, one way or the other. You know, what lessons can you share? Um, you know, that you may have learned that applies to the rest of us, maybe in those dark caves, as you call them here of life. Yeah, there's so many lessons, really. Um, And people ask me all of the time about perseverance, like, how do you keep going when, you know, you're really struggling, and there's, there's obstacles being placed in your path? And, and how do you overcome everything to, you know, when it got into climbing, like it always seemed like the odds were always stacked against me, right? I'm a woman, I'm from Iowa, the land of no mountains. And when it comes to pressing on, like the big thing is you don't give up. I mean, you have to keep going. Um, sometimes I, it, it might be two steps back and then, you know, three steps forward. So sometimes there's some baby steps involved, but I always, always, always kind of keep my eyes on the prize. Like, what is my objective here? What is my goal? And I stay focused on that. And, you know, even if things are coming in from the sides, like, you know, oh, there's there's bad weather, the route conditions, or somebody's like, oh, Jen, you, you know, you're crazy. Do you have a death wish? And so, you know, there's there's flack coming in from other places, but I, I kind of keep my vision like it's, I, I call it tunnel vision. Like I have a tunnel vision towards my goal. And what do I need to do right now to achieve, to get me closer to my objective? Maybe I take some baby steps. Maybe I have to take a little detour. Uh, and sometimes it's some creative problem solving. Like, okay, this plan didn't work. What's plan B or plan C or plan D? You know, just keep going. Uh, and, and so, but I always, try and, and keep focused on the end goal. What am I try, trying to achieve here? And what do I need to do to get there? And, and I just stay focused on that, regardless of, you know, all the obstacles. Like life always has a tendency to get in the way. And, and so, you know, sometimes it takes me longer to, to get to my objective. You know, it took three years to put the Everest expedition together. It took three years to put the Vincent expedition together. And and so, you know, there's always things that are going to get in the way or or slow me down, but um, I just keep going and I don't give up. You know, I love what you said about, you know, 
three steps back, two steps forward. It seems like for climbing mountains, that's actually a part of the process, isn't it? I mean, to acclimate yourself, you go up, you come down, you go up, you come down. I mean, I think that's such a powerful message. Yeah, it, it really it actually is part of the climbing process for high altitude peaks. You have to do rotations. You go up and then you go back down. You go up. You have to to give your body a chance to um, get used to the altitude and and so that's why you do these up and down rotations. But yeah, that's it's you know, in so many ways it seems like climbing mirrors life in general, you know. I do love that. What's your next adventure? <laughs> that's always the next question what's your next adventure you know i just wrapped up the antarctica expedition and so um for the meantime i'm, I'm really busy with um speaking engagements i'm doing a lot of everest presentations all over the state of iowa uh, and I, i'm just all over the place telling my story um i i do plan to continue climbing i mean i'm a climber that's 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 what I do. And so I don't have any expeditions booked this year, uh, but we'll see what's on tap for next year. <laughs> Interesting. Sounds like a challenge. I love it. <laughs> Everything um, is a challenge. <laughs> Everything is a challenge. Did you have any climbers in your family? I mean, or is this really just something you no. wanted to do? No, there's no climbers in my family. They think I'm, um, uh, they're very confused uh, sometimes. Yes. My dad is very confused, you know, especially when I first got into climbing and, and I would call my family and be like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to Argentina and climb a mountain. And they're just like, what? <laughs> you going where? Yeah, we have those here. We have hills here. Do, to do what? And so they're very confused and, and initially. And then the more I did it. Uh, they were very worried. My family is, they're really good at worrying. So I can't imagine. I mean, you're I'm, seriously, it's like, aside from the fact that you're in these remote places, you're climbing a mountain. I mean, mm -hmm. it has those crevasses. I mean, it's like danger everywhere. I cannot imagine having a loved one do what you do. So my family, they, they never told me no, because, well, for one thing, they never told me no, because they knew I was going to go regardless of whatever they said. And, and so, you know, I would just call them and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to, um, you know, Bolivia or I'm going to Ecuador or, you know, I'm going to Nepal. It, it, all these random places where these big peaks are. And, you know, when I first got into climbing, they were really worried. They were very confused. Um, kind of flabbergasted, like, oh, what's Jen up to now? We don't know. Um, and so, but the more I did it, you know, and then I, I came home in one piece and I'm fine and I have all these pictures and all these crazy stories. And, and so they're starting to kind of like, oh, well, Jen is doing this cool thing. We don't know why and we don't, um, we're very worried, but um, she keeps coming home in one piece. She's okay. Um, so my mom was always very, very supportive. Uh, but my dad was, was just like, Oh, he's like, Oh, Jen, that doesn't sound like very much fun. <laughs> and right, so, right. But then, the you know, pragmatic one. yeah, but then the more I did it, you know, the more they kind of got excited about it. They're just like, Oh, wow. You know, she's, she's doing this thing and it's, 
it's kind of cool. And then when I left for Everest, you know, some of these other peaks, like they had never heard of. And so they had no idea where it was or how dangerous it was. But when, but everybody knows about Everest that, you know, they might not know how tall it is or, or exactly where it's at on a map, but they, everybody's heard of Everest and they always hear these horror stories. And so when it came time for me to leave, you know, it was important for me to go home and talk to my family. And I, and I was like, Hey, you know, I need you guys to trust me. I need you to know that I will climb smart. I will make good decisions in the mountain and I, you need to trust me. Like I know what I'm doing and I need you to not freak out. And, and, you know, I, I just told them, Hey, I'm going to climb smart and I'm going to give it my best shot. And, and I'll see you in a couple of months. I think they were very worried, but when I, when I climbed it, I summited and then I came home, they were very excited and very proud. And sure. um, so, so that was kind of, but I know they were, they were super worried. So there's that. As much as I say, I can't imagine sending a loved one off to Everest. I also can't imagine how proud you'd be to see you come back safe and sound and have all those stories and pictures. I have to also imagine your worldview is very different. I mean, having grown up in Iowa, um, you've been to places I'm sure you never imagined. Most of us will never see these places remote. How has this shaped your global view of, of humanity and the planet in general? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, growing up in small town Iowa, there's not a lot of diversity. It, it's very limited. And so, you know, when I started climbing, uh, I was just very open-minded and eager to, to see uh, the rest of the world. And, to, and you know, it, it's a great big world and there's so much to see and there's so much to do and there's so much to learn and so much to experience. And I was open to all of it and excited about all of it. Uh, you know, I want to see these places and, and experience these people and this culture in a different language, a different food, different customs, different history, different politics, different religions, different clothes, you know, and, and it's part of the experience. And so, you know, what I what I found through all my travels is that the vast majority of people, you know, we we have much more in common than any of our differences. You know, everybody loves their family. Everybody wants a bright future for their children. Um, even if I can't speak the language, like laughter and smiles, like that's universal. That has no language barrier. And everybody wants to help and, and be friendly and be kind. And so there were so many things that people have much more in common than, than any of our barriers between us. And so, you know, it, it was amazing to go and experience all these different things and and even spending, you know, sometimes months in these different locations, I feel like even then I'm, I'm really only scratching the surface and I still have so much to learn and, and so much to see. And, and I'm so stoked to just keep going and, and coming home, you know, back to the States is always, 
you know, they talk about culture shock when you travel internationally and you're going to be an immer immersed in a different environment. Uh, but then there's reverse culture shock when you come back. And I've found that sometimes um, it's actually more difficult to come back, which is interesting because, like, this is where I'm from. I know the language. I know the food. I know the culture. Uh, but sometimes, you know, just coming back and, and being here, like, like, I love this country. This is my home, right? Uh, and, and it's a, we have a lot of great things uh, about this place. But sometimes it, it's a little frustrating because uh, it's very focused on materialistic things, which a lot of other countries don't have. And that's kind of, you know, when I go to these other places, they might not have a lot of things, but they're happy. They have their family. They have a roof over their head. The family is all together. They spend time together. They're not working a million hours a week. Um, and, and they're together and they're happy. And I come back to the States and, you know, everybody's just go, go, go. We have a very fast pace. Uh, of life in the States. And sometimes, you know, when I've slowed down and now I need to gear back up and go, go, go and work, work, work. And so you can, um, you know, have this very fast pace of life and I don't get to spend time with my family as much as I'd like to. And, and so, um, sometimes the reverse culture shock is, is more of a challenge than the That's initial culture. That's so interesting. Thank you for sharing that, by the way, that perspective. We always ask our guests on the Own It podcast, what is your superpower and how do you own it? <laughs> my superpower. I think my superpower, if, if I had to nail down one thing, it would be my stubbornness. Um, you know, for a long time. I love it. Yeah. You know, for a long time. It was viewed as detrimental, right? Like, oh, Jen, you're so stubborn. You know, that's a bad thing, right? And so I figured out a way to turn that around and, and make it an asset instead of uh, something that was negative. And so my stubbornness allows me to keep pushing through and stay focused on my goal. And, you know, I, I'm going to do these things uh, regardless of, what you say, uh, women can't climb, or Jen, you're crazy, or Jen, you have a death wish, or whatever, you know, everybody has an opinion, and, and but that has no bearing on, on my reality. And so I use my stubbornness as an asset to keep going and propel me into, like, keep pushing through to my objective. I'm no expert, but I venture to say without that superpower, you wouldn't have pushed as high as you have. That's just fantastic. Thank you for sharing your experience, your story, and your example with us. We're grateful. Thanks for having me. Jen is such an incredible inspiration and, and truly shows that adventure has no boundaries. Nominate a woman in the Quad Cities for the Athena Leadership Awards. Honorees will be recognized at the 2022 Quad Cities Conference. Visit wlcglobal.org to nominate someone today. Calling all entrepreneurs, our virtual small biz mini-series begins August 2nd and features speakers to advise you on marketing, bookkeeping, and much more. Register at wlcglobal.org. 
We've got plenty coming up this fall, including workshops and two leadership conferences. Tickets on sale, wlcglobal.org. The Women Lead Change store is open 24-7. Visit wlcstore.myshopify.com. Follow Women Lead Change on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. More resources and tickets can be found at wlcglobal.org.